Welcome to new month. You know, I realize that, you know, in just a few months, it's going to be a new year. I've never lived through a year where I've heard so many people say that they're ready to be done with this particular year. Uh, but, but it's still the year of our Lord, right? The Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It doesn't say except for 2020, right? I mean, let's, let's, we got to be honest. But it's good to be with you today. We're starting our new series called Better And I want to talk about being better connected today. This is really a series about community. It's a series that I think is very timely for us today. And uh, the idea of community is, is the feeling that we get when we are with other people who we share identity with. Community, when we have experiences with people, when we, when we have a, a similar faith as people, when we, when we believe in a similar way, when we are together because of more than just being in the same space, we have community. It's a, it is something that, that, that we really identify as a feeling, but it's much more than that. And today I want us to talk about this idea of being connected together as a community. The word in the Greek is ekklesia. We are called to be the church. And that word ekklesia in the Greek, it means called out ones. And the idea in the Greek is that if you took a community, uh, uh, literally a, a village, and there are homes in the village, and there's some place that operates as the center of that community, okay? You are called out from your dwellings into that, 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 that middle space, that, and it's a very public thing, that as the church, we are called out of the darkness into the light. We are called out to be together as the body of Christ, When I was a kid, my grandparents lived in a town of 300 people. And at the center of that town, there was what was known as the square. Did anybody grow up in a town that had a a square in it? No? No? I got one person. Okay. In central Wisconsin, little tiny town, that was where the 4th of July fireworks were. That's where the softball games were played. That's where the playground was. That was, you know, that was just the, the center of that community. As the body of Christ, we are called out to be together. And since March 19th, that, that ability has been hampered. It has been changed. It is different than anything that I have ever experienced before. And for some very good reasons. Some people are are obviously very concerned about how contagious COVID-19 is. And I'll tell you, you can roll along and, and until somebody that is in your community comes down with that virus, all of a sudden you think a little bit differently. I have to admit that because I, I experienced a little change in, in how I was feeling about things. I don't want to say that I was cavalier, but, but I was compliant, but for other people. And so 
I think that there's something to say about how this has impacted us and the difference that this has made. For others, it's been a health concern that they have, and so that's why they have been so cautious in this situation. And I I want people to know that I absolutely uh, am behind both of those, those types of individuals, whether it's just a concern about how contagious it is or whether it's about your own health condition and maybe there is a, a greater susceptibility. I, you know, I've encouraged my, uh, my dad and his wife at different times. You know, hey, this is a time when you should stay home and okay, now maybe it's a time when you can get out. But, but I absolutely am functioning that way in my own life. And so I completely understand that. For some, there is a feeling that their civil rights are being infringed on. And that as the church, when we, when we walk and we make decisions that, that are compliant to what is told to us from the government, that then as the church, because the government is putting those restrictions on us, when we follow those, that then as the church, we are actually infringing upon civil rights. And so those people have, have had a feeling of, I, I, I don't know if I, if I want to gather. I don't know if I want to be a part of the community of believers at this time. So the church has, has been fundamentally impacted. And we're not talking about a week or two now. We're six months into this. This has become very real. And I want you to understand that, that we are not fully going to go back to the good old days. And I, I would love to go back to the good old days. The good old days of six months ago. I mean, just think about them. Those were some good days. I mean, you could, you, if, if ever, and, and of course, I mean, three times the seats that are in here right now, if you packed this room, you'd be thrilled. You'd be like, oh, now if you walked into a room like that, you'd be like, hey, <laughs> I don't, I don't think I'm going to go in there, you know. That's, that is the change. We're never fully going to go back. But yet there are things that I believe that we can thank God for. I believe that we can even um, see growth in our lives. I was in my favorite, uh, you know, place to, to if I'm going to go out in public, you know, it's going to be Menards. And I was in there yesterday, and I ran into somebody. And I just want to say hi right now because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're watching. You're a part of church online, and you're an important part of church online. And that person, they, I'm telling you, they are committed to church online. And they would love to be a part of, of this gathering, but there are things that in their own heart, in their own mind, prevent them from doing so, but yet they are engaged. They're part of this community. They've committed their hearts. And it is amazing to see what God can do and what, in fact, he is ultimately doing. But think about it. What would happen and I pray that this never happens. What would happen if, for whatever reason, we were never able to meet like this again? What would happen 
to the church? What would happen to the body of Christ? Now, I know it would live on, but what would happen? There would be some pretty significant things, some changes that would need to take place and that, that would take place in order for the body of Christ to flourish. I pray that that never happens. But as the church, I think we have to ask ourselves that question because for the first time in my life, I could actually imagine something like that happening. I'd never thought of that before. But now I can see it. What would happen to us? Connection in the body of Christ, community in the body of Christ, cannot be solely dependent on the building. I've been in ministry over 30 years. That's the first, this is the first time I've ever come to a place where I could really say that and believe that. Because before, I was like, yeah, we could say that, but do you see American culture? American culture says you've got to have a building. It's the first time ever in my life where I can say and believe that our community cannot and must not be based solely on a building. Because if, a, if we have to have a building to gather, if we have to have a building to be community, then it may not last. We just don't know what the future holds. So our connections can't be just because of the building. The building in our culture, and I, I, I believe this, I believe this, I'll say nationwide. Built, church buildings in our community have never been more irrelevant than they are today. Think about that. Now, we, I, I hope, I pray that, that all of our services are full. I pray that everybody comes back to worship. But our building has never been, across the country, the church building has never been more irrelevant than it is today. That's an amazing thing. So how do we remain connected? I, I think there's three things that I want us to look at today in how, in, in, in that we need to keep in the forefront of our mind about being connected. The first one, I, I really want to continue on this thought about the building, and, and that is that the church is not a building, okay? I know I've said that many times before. And I, people say, amen, pastor, amen, the church is not a building. And yet, <laughs> and yet so much, we, it's like we can't really separate our, our, our belief or our feeling that the church is the building, that somehow it's the building plays in there. And that church is what happens on Sunday morning. Between a certain time and a certain time, and you better not go past that second time, because then we got problems. I remember the church that I grew up in as a kid. And, and we, we changed churches when I was in the eighth grade. And we had faithfully attended a church um, and, and had lots of friends in it, knew that church, that building. I can still remember every nook and cranny of that building. I mean, we spent a lot of time in church, a lot of time. 
And then we went to the assembly of God when I was in eighth grade. And, and so that was a whole new building to learn. And it was, a, it was a different time in my life. I was a teenager. So it was all about, you know, hanging out. And it was all about talking to friends. And, and, and just, uh, it, church was a different time back then. When I was growing up, every, every man, almost every single man in that building on Sunday morning had a sport coat or a suit and tie on. And almost every single woman had a dress, okay? That's how old I am. It's true. It, it is, it's true. We, we are... Uh, just think about this, okay? On Sunday morning, we had to, at the, the style at that point, it was corduroys, okay? We had to wear corduroys on Sunday morning. We could not wear jeans on Sunday morning. In fact, we, would, we had to beg for a long time. On Wednesday night for a youth group, can we wear jeans, Dad? Can we please? And you think, you know, your parents are just... That was everybody. I mean, the girls wore dresses on Wednesday night to youth group, okay? That's just what it was. I remember my, my mom, I, and I just realized in the last few weeks, I've talked a lot about my mom. Uh, AJ, maybe we should talk about that later, and you can tell me what that really means. But, but my mom, when we got to the Assembly of God Church, you know, I, I mean, I was a teenager, and, and my brothers were soon to be teenagers. There was a lot of kids in the church, and, and my, my mother was very concerned because she had worn earrings for years. But in that church, earrings, you know, and just jewelry in general were really looked down on. And so my mother stopped wearing earrings and let the holes in her ears grow in so that there was no teenage girl in that church that could ask her mother for pierced ears and the mom would say no and the, and the kid would say, but Bonnie Taylor has pierced ears. That's how serious this was. Church was different in that day. And, and that building, there, there, I, I, I still remember, uh, we sang out of the hymnal every Sunday morning, all the way through high school. In fact, even in college, we, in, in fact, even into our first ministry position, uh, the hymnal was used every Sunday morning. And there's some great hymns. I, man, to this day, I love, I love those hymns. Um, there was two instruments on the platform uh, in every church that I was at and a part of all the way through college, okay? It was a piano and an organ. That was it. I mean, there was no drums. There was no bass guitar. There were certainly no electric guitars. I remember being in my first ministry position out of college, and I was told that my guitar belonged in the bar. That's how old I am. Things have changed. The church has made a lot of transition in the last 30 years. This is not youth group on Wednesday night, but yet I'm wearing jeans and I'm wearing white tennis shoes. That's how far we've come. The, the, the church is described throughout scripture as the body. It's described as the flock it's described as the family. It's, the, it's described as the, the bride. But it's never really 
described or called a building. And that's so strange. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, we've read it many times. Jesus said, I will build my church. And so it's, it's easy for us to get into that mentality of, of the building. But Jesus isn't talking about brick and mortar. He's talking about people. I will build my church. Now, in the dark ages, the church made a lot of mistakes. And one of the, the mistakes that was made was there was a... Um, uh, they went down the road of, of believing that, that, that the common man was not smart enough to be able to connect with God. And, and he didn't know the language. Uh, and In fact, church was in a different language. Church was in Latin, and nobody spoke Latin. Uh, why, why was it? Because they wanted this separation between the common man and God. And the priesthood filled that gap. And Paul obliterates that theology when he says in 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Even in our own nation, over the last, and I, I said 150 years when I was writing this, but I'm, I'm going to say 225, 250 years We've gone down a, a, a road um, <clears throat> where, where the building just had, had incredible importance. In fact, when communities would be, would be developed, the, the building a church was a huge selling point to the whole community. I don't know how many of you know this, but the little white church on the corner here, which originally, it previously was St. James the Less, it's now been bought by a private person. Um, that, that building was located right at where the intersection of 41 and Silver Creek is, and that's the first building that was ever built in Harvey specifically to be a church. It was so important that when the state wanted to run the highway where it is, that they, they told the church, we will give you a plot of land, we will dig a basement and build a foundation, and we will move that church, and we will put it on that foundation. Why? Because the building, the building was really important. And so we've gone down that road, you know. I, I, I'm not, not making a judgment about it, but when you build crystal cathedrals, your culture has gone to say that, that the building is of a lot of importance. And so we got to a place where church was a place that you went rather than something that you were. And we need to get back to knowing and understanding that the church is something that we are. It's been an insidious, slow cultural shift that we've gone through. But we have definitely gone there. And Paul destroys that idea as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19, when he says, Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. This was such a change because, remember, Paul is a Jew. He's a Jewish man, and he, of course, knows the Old Testament very well. 
And in the Old Testament, there was the tabernacle first, and then there was the temple. And the presence of God, the manifest presence of God, dwelled in that place. And now Paul is saying, you are the temple. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. What a change. What a change. Now, he's writing to a mixture of Jews and Gentiles. But for the Jews, what an incredible change to think that it's not about the, the building because it was about the temple. And now it's, it's not about the building. That we are the temple. That the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. And I want you to understand that, that the church is not about a building or an event. It is about us. We are that building. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. Secondly, we've got to live outside our comfort zone. Just, it's the bottom line. We have to do it. There's a survey that was done by Gallup. I actually shared this once a number of months ago with you. You might recall it. And the Gallup survey says that the number one reason why people don't attend church is that they prefer to worship alone. Now, that is a pre-COVID Gallup study. I wonder if they did that same study now, what it would be like. I think it'd be off the charts. Off the charts, because people have become so comfortable now not being with other people. They can, they can get up, they can turn on their, their iPad. They, if they're smart, they know how to get it on their TV, you know, and they can watch a service. In fact, they can even take their, their iPad or their phone and they can engage. Good morning, Silver Creek Church family. By the way, all of you that do that are amazing and I love you and you need to keep doing it and you need to engage exactly like that. But it is going to become difficult to get back together for some people. Nationally right now, we're still only at about a third of people that have made their way back into church compared to pre-COVID. Some places may be a little higher, some a little less, but it's, it's in that 30 to 40% range. And it's hard. It's going to be a challenge they prefer to be alone. This is some of the, the lasting impact that I think could really um, affect the church because more and more, the longer it goes, people will just be more and more uncomfortable being around others. They may feel conspicuous. Maybe this morning was the first time you raised your hands in worship and, and maybe it felt a little weird. Maybe it felt fantastic. But it's going to get more and more difficult because it's hard to be around people or I can't really control the environment or what if I have to get up and go to the bathroom? You know, it doesn't seem to bother kids. You know, they'll get up, you know, six times. It doesn't matter to them. But being a, a, a part of the body of Christ, the family of God, it's not, it's not just about me, okay? And it's not just about you. It's, it's, a, it's not about what we receive, okay, when we walk in. It really is about what I can expect to give to someone else. 
That's what the body of Christ is really all about. But because we're humans, we can frequently get derailed in that thought and not remember what it really is. I just want to, I hope they, oh, I hope Nikki leads the right songs today. Oh, Waymaker, yes. Ooh, that's, that's, and I love Waymaker. I, I do. I, I, I love that song. But it's, it's not about, you know, oh, I hope the, the greeter really, you know, I hope, I hope Jamie opens the door for me today so I don't have to touch the, the knob. And, you know, I, I, boy, I hope they get some better coffee, you know. <laughs> it's not about what we're going to get. It's about what we can expect to give others. That's what the body of Christ is all about. Philippians 2, Paul says in verses 3 and 4, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. It's uncomfortable to put other people's needs ahead of ours. It just is. That is challenging for us. Our comfort zone is the place that it's easiest for us to be. And in order for us, in fact, I think we resist getting out of our comfort zone. We want to do everything we can to stay inside of our comfort zone. And we need to look at getting out of it. I want to read Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And I want, just listen, as we read this, okay, I'm not, this is not a club, and when I say that, I mean a club, okay? The scripture is not a club, but there is something for us in Hebrews here. Look at what he says. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. What the writer of Hebrews is telling us is that even though there are difficult days, and historically we know that when Hebrews was written, okay, I want you to get the picture. Nero started persecuting the Christians in AD 64, and Hebrews was written somewhere between 65 and 67 AD, so there was not a good atmosphere, there was not support publicly for Christians, and he said, we need to encourage each other. There needs to be a sense of community among us. Listen, within the body of Christ, there are people that need our encouragement. The idea of the love that he taught, he said, encourage them toward love and good deeds. That, that word love there, what the, the, the author is really talking about is is, an, is something that takes place when the community of believers moves into action. It actually brings that about. That love happens as a result of believers in community with one another who take action. And so I, I believe that there are people that need encouragement. And I believe that, that some of us are, are not just because we might have the gift of being an encourager, but... We need to step outside our, our comfort zone and encourage people. And, and maybe you're here and you're the one that needs encouragement. And if we don't, if we don't have a sense of community, that's not going to be made available to you. 
I just want to encourage each of us today to get ourselves outside that comfort zone. And number three is we need to make a solid connection. I love commercials, and there's a commercial that says, no one out-pizzas the hut. I'm literally tempted to try a Pizza Hut pizza again because I remember what it was like as a kid. As a kid, it was the best pizza. But there's so many pizzas now that are out there. You know what I think the church should be able to say is that no one out-communities the church. That's what I think we ought to be able to say. Nobody out-communities the church. Making connections is hard. I, uh, I got invited a couple years ago. My wife, my lovely wife, Veronica, invited me to go with her to the Christmas party for the teachers and staff when she worked at Bothwell, the middle school. And, um, and they were serving pizza. So when I get to a place like that, you know, I, and I didn't know very many people. I knew a few, uh, but not very many. And I'm concerned about two things. One is I'm concerned about food, okay? I'm just going to be straight up with you. I love to eat. And so I'm, I'm, I'm cons- you know, let's get food, honey. <laughs> the other thing is I want somebody to talk to. And she knew every single teacher and staff person. She knew half of their spouses, okay? And I know a few people, okay? So we kind of, you know, I sort of become a wallflower. She teases me, you know, that in that situation that, you know, I, I don't just jump right in there with everybody. I'm, I'm looking for that one person. And so she introduced me to a couple, and, and uh, we were kind of on an outside wall, and we found a little table, and we started to talk, and within a few minutes, I realized, this is going to work. This is good. I like this. And so we started talking, and the, the conversation really made an impact on me. And the impact was, um, it, it lasted. It wasn't just a one and done, you know, I didn't forget about this person. In fact, I would say to my wife, I would say, honey, do you remember that couple that, that we met? I really enjoyed that conversation with those people. And so... Uh, that a, a, a few weeks later was Christmas Eve. Guess who shows up for Christmas Eve service? It's this couple. And if my memory serves me correctly, we didn't get a chance to, um, to really uh, connect on Christmas Eve, okay? But I just, it just the, the feeling never went away. And... and I don't know if it was an Easter service next or another Christmas Eve service, but it was six months or a year before, uh, before we be, were able to, um, to reconnect. And, and it, just, I just, it just was in my mind. So they show up at another holiday service, whether it was Easter or Christmas Eve, I can't, I can't even remember. And, and I, it was so awesome. And after the service, they, they, everybody else was gone, and they hung around a little bit, and we were talking, and somebody mentioned ice cream. 
and I love ice cream. And I'm like, dude, we got to get ice cream. And so over the past, I don't know, it's eight months or whatever, I, we went to Culver's one night. We shut the place down talking. Guy's a total introvert. I'm not an introvert. <laughs> totally different people. And, I, and I'm going to this, I'm, literally, I think I'm going to go, I'm going to reach this guy for Jesus, okay? That's, I'm, I'm just being honest, okay? I was so excited to go to, and I, you know, plus I'm going to get Culver's. You know, it's imitation ice cream, but I'm, we're going we're to do this, okay? And, and we get there, and I said, I want to hear your spirit, about your spiritual journey. I mean, the, the, he... He's got a, a, like a, like a grandfather that was in the assemblies of God that, that it was, it was incredible. I mean, we, I was, I felt like I was with somebody that I'd known my whole life. It was incredible. The connection that we made. And I, I'm, I gotta tell you, it, it just, it, it, it did something inside of me a couple weeks ago. We're in a, we're in a connect group together now, virtual connect group. And, and it's just, it's amazing. A couple weeks ago, I came down off the platform after, after preaching, and he he's right, just came right up, you know, and, and got his mask on, and he said, listen, he said, if you need to talk to anybody, if you need to talk to anybody, um, I want to be there for you. In fact, he said, I won't even get upset if you swear. Okay. Now he, I think he's, he's just, he's observant and, and, and just, you know, Hey, maybe, maybe the pastors, you know, got some frustrations during this time. I want, I want to be there. Now I have not taken him up on the offer to swear. Okay. Cause we got ice cream planned for later today, but but the, 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 just the, the feeling of encouragement is so incredible. And as a believer, you and I, we are, we're connected to Jesus, right? We're connected to Jesus. It's almost this time, guys. You better, this is a lesson, okay, for what's coming up real soon. You know, you're gonna, you might need a pair of jumper cables, if your car dies, your battery dies, what happens? We're, we're connected to the source. Jesus is the source. But then, when we as believers, connected to the source, when we come in contact with other believers, if everybody's cell phone dies and the, you know, your TV dies, I'm sorry, it's probably my fault. But if, but if we... If we come in contact with another believer, there is a spark that takes place. There is encouragement that happens between my life and yours or your life and yours. When we come together, we, we encourage each other. We build each other up. And I got to just make sure that I, I, I want to read from Galatians uh, 6. Two. He said, carry each other's burdens. In Colossians, Paul says, bear with each other. Man, we need encouragement 
in the body of Christ. We need to give it and we need to receive it. And it happens when we come together as the body of Christ and because we're connected to the source of Jesus, there is a a spark that happens. Today we're here, We're, we're in the same room and that spark needs to happen. That spark needs to happen. We're going to close our service by celebrating the Lord's Supper together. I'd like you to get out your communion elements, if you would. In just a minute, I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The Apostle Paul here, he's, he's dealing with people's community, and they have not done a good job of community. That's why he wrote 1 Corinthians 11. He said, I don't have any praise for you in this matter. In fact, I want to discipline you. And so he, he says that, that he's going to give to them what he received from the Lord in this revelation on the road to Damascus, that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to them and he said this is my body which is for you I want us to to pray and ask the Lord well thank the Lord for giving his body to us Father we thank you that that Jesus provided his body for us. We thank you that he did not hold back his body, but he offered it up for us. And Father, I thank you that through Jesus, we can have that connection with you and that connection with others. And when we're both connected into you, there is a spark of life that happens in the body of Christ. Father, we love you. We thank you. Jesus, thank you for your body. Would you partake of the bread together? Paul says that after supper, he took the cup, blessed it, and he said, this is my blood, the new covenant, the new deal. And that he shed it for us. This blood, the Bible says, is for the remission of sin, the forgiveness of sin. Let's just thank God for the blood of Jesus, shall we? Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that forgives our sin, that makes our sin, which was as red as scarlet, as white as snow. Father, we thank you that it's the blood of Jesus that brings us into fellowship, into community with Jesus Christ, that that makes us a part of the family of God, a part of the church. Without that blood, we have no hope. We've just got a little fun group of people. So, Father, I pray. I pray that today we would just really thank you and be grateful for the blood of Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you partake of the cup together?
Father, I pray for the one as we close this service. I pray for the one who really needs that encouragement today. And I pray for those that may be worried about stepping out of their comfort zone in order to offer that, that encouragement. Father, may we literally meet together and may we encourage one another. Father, may we be better connected as the body of Christ. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you for being here today. God bless you. We'll see you again very soon. Let's be better connected.